You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, hey, everybody. How you going? And Justin. What's up, my friends? Welcome. On the show today, we will review another exciting eNASCAR Coke Series race at Pocono. We celebrate a milestone anniversary for iRacing, and we see what happens when your pit crew goes on strike. That's right, Mike. And remember, you can follow along with this on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all of these great topics we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So log on and we'll see you there. Coke racing, and it was fixed racing at Pocono, which is always interesting. But what really caught my attention was before the race, uh, we had a couple of the drivers uh, mentioned that uh, they got penalties from the previous uh, race. Vicente Salas, he actually got parked for the entire event uh, by uh, exceeding the incident threshold of 12 incidents in in a given race. So apparently if you get 12, you're out the next race. That's a uh, pretty steep. I had no idea that they were running incident limits like OBRL. Yeah, I was surprised to hear that too. I thought there it was more of like an accumulation thing throughout the season, not like a one late one race type of penalty where you exceed 12 and you're out. Um, but I don't remember last race him getting uh, booted from the race mid-race, you know, like you would on OBRL if you get DQ'd, go past the um, incident limit, you just you just are out of the race, you're gone. Um, but apparently they they keep you keep running even though you exceed the incident points. But you have um, you get uh, the race director reviews the race and you can get uh, penalized on a race coming up. Is yeah, that was. Uh, I'm sorry, Mike. But is eNASCAR kind of trying to be like NASCAR nowadays, just trying to set a precedent, you know, with the other drivers? It could be a one-off, like maybe things were getting ugly and they said, okay, this is how we're going to be next time. Yeah, and that's a good point. It doesn't sound like, you know, NASCAR is going to penalize you if you do something intentional, you know, um, like like uh, Chase got penalized when he when he wrecked uh, uh, Denny Hamlin, and it was a real dangerous situation. This doesn't look like it was an incident where you know we judged your um, your your incident to be intentional. You know that's not what we want. You're going to sit for a week. This just sounded like you know you just had an accumulation of incidents throughout the race, whether it was your whether it was your fault or not. Um, and whether it was intentional or not, and then they they parked them either way. So it doesn't seem like it's it was a, an intent type of thing that I could see. Um, and we've seen um, eNASCAR do that. They 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 parked somebody for intentional wrecking somebody. That's under caution, I think. Remember last year? Um, I can't remember, but somebody got somebody got parked for intentionally wrecking under under uh, caution. But uh, I don't think that's the situation. I think it's just an accumulation of incident points. Yeah, that was Vicente Salas who missed the race. And then 
Malik Ray, he only got eight incidents in uh, race 12, but that was enough to uh, stop him from qualifying. Apparently, uh, the penalty is you can't qualify if you uh, had eight incidents. And so uh, before the race, Malik uh, was saying, hey, they, they got me down trying to start me dead last, but we're going to go for the playoffs. And and uh, to just tune in. And and this race really turned into be a race about Malik Ray in a lot of ways because he was the one guy coming. Now, he, he had all kinds of trouble. He was starting at the, the back. I think he got disconnected at one point, and he had to rejoin the server. But he was in the back, and he was kind of off tire strategy because of that. And so he was the one guy passing cars. Everyone was lined up in the top. You know how Pocono is. They're on fixed setup, too. And so one by one, he would dig along the bottom and, and, and just creep up. And he eventually got up to the front. And at the end of this race, was running second with a run coming out of three and just didn't have enough. I mean, he could have drove through Michael Guest uh, to, to try to win it, but he didn't. Uh, he, he raced him clean. Um, Michael just had the, the track position, just that one more spot. And so Michael Guest gets his first ever Coke win after, God, I don't know how many years he's been in the series, six or seven, maybe. I think it, I, if the number comes to mind, I think they said 106 start, 106 starts, but that's well done, crazy. Michael Good Guest. for him. That, that's kind of feel good after after that way. That's 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 almost a Mikey Wiltrip moment. The other thing that happened right at the end on the last corner too was Matt Busa was coming um, on fresh tires out of nowhere, and and Nick Ottinger was in the mix. He was in the top two and three fighting for the win, and Nick and Matt are you know corporate teammates. And I think Matt Busa had this great idea, like I'm not going to be able to get there to win, but I'm going to give my my teammate uh, a, a nice push like he gave him a push or a, a hit like in the middle of three and of course it upset nick ottinger's car and nick had to drive down low to save it and and he lost a spot because of it but um yeah matt busa said after the fact that that was probably a bad move but uh yeah i was entertained um you know i feel bad for malik ray i i feel like you know he kind of he was also looking for his first win, you know, and how many years he's been with the series. And um, you could just see it come out of his face when he realized he wasn't going to win it. Uh, the disappointment, but, you know, he kept it cool. He didn't, you know, freak out or anything like that, but it, it was, it was definitely uh, interesting. I'm surprised that's news to me that he hasn't won before because I'm, I'm still new to the sim, but I've heard his name for a while now. He, well, he's won a lot of big races, a lot of uh, super speedway races, um, but I don't think he's he's cracked a, a Coke Series race yet. So I think that's part of the problem. Is he just he just haven't hasn't broke through yet? But but either way, um, starting dead last, you know, for the penalty that he got, and and being right there in contention at the end in a fixed race. You mentioned that, Mike, that this is fixed race. It's it's not a, mat, a matter of having a really good set. You know, everybody else is on the same setup. Um, that's really impressive. And, um, you know, I know I know he's I'm sure he's disappointed that he get, didn't get a win. But uh, hats off because that was a fantastic run to get to where he wound up. 
and what a last lap, you know, with Nick, uh, Nick and uh, Michael Guest going for the win, and Malik Ray's right there, and Nick Ottinger getting the push from Busa, and they're all wrecking behind them. I mean, it was just a classic NASCAR finish. Yeah, and uh, if you remember last year, Pocono put on a fantastic finish uh, when when um, two guys I can't remember who it was uh, they were bumping bumping fenders on the on the last straightaway. Um, I think it might might have been um, Jimmy Mullins might have been one of them. I can't remember, but I remember last year it was a fantastic finish at Do- at uh, Pocono. So uh, two two years in a row where where they with with this tracks put on really good finishes. All right, so this was the final uh, event before the playoffs, which is next. So Guest joined seven other previously locked-in drivers, uh, Zelensky, Conti, Kerwin, Tucker Minter, Jordy Lopez, Stephen Wilson, Garrett Lowe, Jimmy Mullis. Um, was a winner who needed to get enough points for it to count, and he did get enough. Uh, and then Nick Ottinger. And so Nick was a guy who didn't get a win, but made it on points. Right. That's crazy. One one person out of 10 um, playoff drivers did not have a, a win. And that was Nick Ottinger, who, you know, is a is a series champion, a past champion. So, um, wow, that's that's really impressive. But uh, Zelensky with three wins, man, he's he's going to be um, he's going to be leading the field in the uh, playoffs. Um for, for the as far as wins go so um and he's gonna be tough man he's been so close so many years it'll be really fun to watch him run through this playoffs and and see if he can pull one out finally other people flirting with the cut line that didn't make it include malik ray graham bolan matt busa parker white michael cozy jr and dylan duvall all had a chance at some point during the night to if things worked out right they could get in but uh, they're on the outside and uh, hoping they were part of it. But yeah, playoffs start next. Yep. Um, and this will be the last playoffs for Michael Conte, who's going to be retiring after this year. So um, another good story to follow going through the playoffs. Casey Kerwin, who's won once before. Um, uh, we had Garrett Lowe, who just got that win last week to make his way in, just you know, just barely, really. And uh, Jimmy Mullis, who... Um, didn't didn't he win the race by knocking uh, Garrett Lowe out of the way uh, two weeks yeah. before? So Payback, Mullins maybe. is in there. Yeah, so it looks shaping up to be a really good playoffs uh, this year. It's going to be really interesting, and um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. All right, Justin, how about Throwback Month? Yeah, Mike, uh, iRacing is celebrating their 15-year anniversary of the launch of their servers. Throughout the month of August, iRacing will be running four throwback series honoring the cars, tracks, and that have been that have been with us since day one. Do you? Now you've been with the sim a while, Mike. Do you remember any of these? I'm sure I've run this before. Um, the the four listed are Solstice Challenge, Skippy Challenge. Legends Challenge and Late Model Challenge. I don't think that's what they were called, but I think it is a throwback to, hey, uh, we all were in these cars back when we were rookies, and uh, why don't you come try it again? Right, so they're they're saying that these are for cars that were um, were around when they started 15 years ago, maybe the only four that are currently in the lineup that were actually 
part of the original package of iRacing when it first launched onto their servers. Um, so yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I certainly remember running a lot of Legends races when I first started. Um, so that'll be cool and see which tracks they have. They, they didn't have a whole lot of tracks back then. So um, the, it'll, it'll probably be some of the tracks that you've seen uh, on the service for a long time. They're probably all free tracks too. Now, how long have you been on the sim, Brian? Um, I'd say probably about 12 years, maybe 11 or 12. Yeah. So it says a special 15th anniversary award will be given out to any racer who participates in at least one race from all four series. 15 of these racers will be randomly drawn to receive a grand prize of a thousand credits. There you go. That's not a bad deal. So it doesn't say what the grand prize is specifically. But the runner, the fifteen runner-ups are a thousand credit. I wonder what the big prize is. A special fifteenth anniversary award is what it's called. Yeah, well, thousand credits is pretty good. Um, yeah, it's got to be like so, so it's got to be a thing that. where you own all the credit or you own all the content. VIP membership. Yeah. I think with a thousand credits, you'd probably be able to do most of that, right? You'd be able to. I mean, chances are you already have a good bit of stuff anyway. Now the first week is uh, now, and it's the uh, solstice. Next week is the legends. Third week, Skippy. Final week, late model. So yeah, just get a start in each one once a week, just so you're uh, eligible for the thousand. Yeah, it's not hard to do. Um, they're all rookie series events, right? I, I, except it's a late model rookie series or that might be a, a D but still yeah sounds like a D Skippy, right, Brian, Skippies about, are not or Skippies are higher the, than rookie uh, too Sim Racing Genius Max yeah this was um, a video uh, we found on TikTok from uh, Driver61 and he posted a video of why Max Verstappen is a sim racing genius. So uh, yeah, it's not a real long video, but it really goes over um, some of what Max Verstappen has accomplished in um, sim racing and iRacing. Um, more especially, that seems they they mentioned that it's his sim of choice is iRacing, but he does a little bit little bit of stuff otherwise. And of course, he's you know. He's pretty much F1 champion already this year. I don't know if it's official yet, but he's gotten first or second in every race this year so far. And I think he's like on the six or seven race win streak. So, uh, yeah, the, the uh, top F1 racer is a sim racing genius. Um, and uh, and he goes over and they talk about some of the reasons why he is. I mean, he's he's um, putting up some fast some of these times and uh, qualifying at, uh, at Bathurst. Um blown away the field in like a really good field um, in qualifying by four tenths of a second when um, and they explain, you know, um, when you're when you're qualifying in real life, you know, you might get track changes that might make you a little bit faster, you know, that give you an edge or you might get some draft help in when you're doing a multi-class uh, um type of qualifying well, you know, with iRacing, obviously everybody's running by themselves in qualifying and they're and they're in a session that the track temperature is the same for everybody and he's and he's beating like top top drivers top sim racers uh you know by four tenths so he goes over a couple other um milestones that max has done you know running ahead of a uh, 24-hour race leaders in the sim you know really i mean he's just just as good as in real life and in sim as he is in real life which you know you don't always see that if uh, with uh, professional drivers um 
but yeah, Max Verstappen is just killing it in sim racing. Yeah, I, I think that's the whole just of this video is is not only is he a genius in the real car, but he is in sim racing. And to be both at the same time is like this massive accomplishment, massive. And and he really plays that up, like you said, giving specific examples like Bathurst where they show his driving line and he literally goes from one wall to the other. It's not about the racing surface. It's about how wide can I make this track, you know? And, and that's what makes him fast. If you watch him in real life, that's what he does too. Right, because you can't, I mean, uh, obviously professional drivers are professional drivers, but that doesn't mean you can just walk right out of a, right, walk right into a sim and, and do just as well in real life as, or just, just as well in the sim as you do in real life. It actually, it's a separate type of uh, practice that you need to do. You do have to put time into it away from, away from the real driving. So, um, and Max is, isn't just doing it. I mean, we've heard stories about him having the sims on his airplane, so he gets extra time while he's flying around on his sim. So the dude is dedicated. He's, you know, he, he's talked about running uh, sim racing teams after he retires from F1. Uh, he's all in on sim racing. And we also heard him say it's not it's not a game it's it's real it's real racing so um, and th this is the kind of thing that's going to lengthen his career in racing after his real racing is done for sure. I just respect his passion for the sport of sim racing, especially at his caliber, a driver that loves sim racing as much as he does. It helps us uh, as a community, you know, grow. And I think in the future, he's going to be the one to help drivers get from sim to some type of racing. I think he's going to make that avenue a little bit easier as time goes on. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and somebody like him just increases the credibility of sim racing with other people and other drivers. You know, you know, it's it's one thing to tell your buddies that you know you sim race and they might not understand it or, or what's involved in it. You know, when they hear stories like you know the the, the top driver in the world is a uh, is a avid sim racer and really enjoys it and 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 can talk about the the uh, the benefits of it and the um, just and just how well it translates. That's that's a different story, and, and it's something that uh, something that gives us this, uh, this sim racing a lot more credibility from to hear from somebody like Max Verstappen. So the guy who did this video, Driver Sixty One, this was only part one, I think, in a five part series. I actually went last night looking for the other parts, and I couldn't find them because this guy's cranking out videos like he's putting out a dozen videos a day or something. This Driver Sixty One guy. And they're mostly about Formula One. Um, but I also wanted to point out that he's also hosting uh, a sim, uh, how to sim race class. He's that guy who holds classes for sim racers. And, and apparently uh, he's got one going. And if you're interested, hit him up. I'm going to take this next one. It's uh, sad news. Rest in peace, Brad Miller. Brad used to be a part of this podcast uh, many years ago for, I would say, a good three or four years at least, um, every week. And he was part of Team Tifosi. Um, you know, we, th this, this team's been around a long time, and people cycle in and out and that kind of thing. Uh, and he was one of a group that was in here for a long time before he cycled out. But uh, Brad Miller is a great guy. Um, he was in the U.S. Navy as a young man, uh, 
he was in a uh, submarine. I, I don't I don't know exactly what he did in the submarine, but uh, he always told me about the USS Arizona because I'm from Arizona, and and uh, there was a submarine named after our state, and he educated me about it and that kind of stuff. And he's a good guy, and uh, I hate to see him go. He was part of the Winter League that we run every winter as well. Uh, Brian, I don't know if you've had your run-ins with him, but uh, he's a regular in NIS as well. No, I'm afraid I haven't run with He's probably got a too high I rating for me, to be honest with you. But, uh, yeah, uh, I have not been able to catch up with uh, with Brad. Or, I'm sorry. Yeah, good guy. Uh, as far as how he was on the track, um, a gentleman. You know, he was the first guy to to let you go, especially on a restart. He was the guy that would save his tires and – when the 30 lap run would come in, here he comes and he'd go right on by you. You know, he was that guy. Um, I looked at his stats when I heard the news to see when he raced last. Wasn't long ago. It was New Hampshire, NIS. He finished P20. But it makes you think, man, you never know when the next race might be your last race. And, and it, kind of disheartening to think about that it's like you go into a race and this might be the very last time i ever do this in my life and i'm sure you know brad you know he had cancer and I, i'll tell you everybody that i don't know specifically what but he had been fighting it he had gone to the hospital for a while and had come home but he was on hospice so he knew um and i'm sure he went into those races knowing this could be my last race but uh brad's a great guy great family man has a wife, kids, that kind of thing. So uh, prayers to all of them. Okay, Justin, how about improving performance? Yeah, Dan Suzuki posted a video on on YouTube, two ways to really help improve your lap times using Active Reset and live telemetry. So I haven't used Active Reset yet, but telemetry, I actually do kind of look at that to help me out. Yeah, this is a great video for beginners. Um, as far as the telemetry goes, I mean, I I think what the smartest thing Dan says is, let's just look at the brake and the throttle. Let's not even look at steering. Let's not look at all these other things that you can look at in telemetry. Let's just break it down to the basics, you know. And I think that's important because if you have too much telemetry in front of you, it gets lost in the translation of what you're trying to see. And so I, I thought that was a really neat uh, call out. And active reset, I mean, I keep forgetting that we even have this thing. I even have buttons mapped for it, but it only works when you're in a testing session. So, so unless you're going to these testing sessions, you can't really use it. Yeah, I don't think I've used it either. And um, in, in, my, in my case, I think active reset is a lot more beneficial for road course racing than it is for uh, oval racing. Um, so I, I, uh, most of my stuff is oval. But um, we do have some road courses coming up in OBRL, and uh, so maybe it's something I'll, I'll, I'll check into to try to try to get a little bit better if I if I got time to do the practicing. But and I'll definitely use it before uh, Daytona's uh, 24 hours of Daytona to work on some of some of that track. But um, I I almost forgot it's in there. And Dan Dan is like, man, if you're not using this, you're you're wasting time. You're wasting so much time. You know, on a big track, it might take if it takes four minutes to get to, to do a lap, and you want to work on a specific corner that you know you're only getting that that corner. You know, you could race for an hour and only hit it ten times. So, um, the active reset for for learning corners is is just so so beneficial. Um, 
it's but it's just a matter of you know you got to be in that uh test session and you got to be willing to put in the time in to just to work on it but you can definitely uh make some improvements in your racing by using that for sure and he breaks it down like you're a dummy like okay so go do the do the corner and now set the buttons now now run it a few times now stop i'm gonna go look at your telemetry see what you're doing wrong okay now let's try it again and then so he just kind of walks you through it step a step b step c yeah nothing wrong with that um telemetry is something that i i, I really want to get into a little bit better than i i don't use any right now and i really need to to do that because um sometimes it's just so you know you can practice for an hour like before overall races we're doing an hour of practice i try to get in some practice before then if i can um but you know when you're doing those practices you know it's hard to get better if you don't know where to get how to get better and that's what the telemetry can help you out with and, and it's something i really need to get better at using so um yeah i'm gonna that's that's one of my goals um for next season so it's a really really start analyzing my um performance better to to get better all right brian how about the junior esports challenge yeah this is a, a an event it's being held by motorsports australia's esports it's called the asia 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 pacific junior esports challenge so it's it's like a it's a really uh, cool opportunity for aspiring um, Asia Pacific drivers um, aged uh, 14 to 17. You have to be a resident of the Asia Pacific and Oceania regions uh, to be uh, able to participate. Um, it's a 25 US dollar entrance fee. Uh, but if you're, uh, if you're already a Australian resident holding a valid motorsports Australia eSport license, you don't have to pay that $25. But the the prize is what's the real carrot here. Um, it's it's valued at $15,000. And what it is, is um, you'll get a chance to, to secure a trip to Malaysia and participate in the Motorsport Australia's Elite Driver Academy program. So, you know, by winning this, you're basically, I mean, it's, it's what we always wanted, um, we're always aspired sim racing to be, to be this type of ladder to the real world. Um, and you're going to, and if you, if you, uh, if you take the, take the prize, top prize in this, um, it's almost like being drafted by a, by a race team to, to get in their academy program. So a really cool opportunity for these guys. That's yeah, like yeah. a dream. That's like a dream come true, Brian, you know, yeah, for kids. Isn't it? it's also quick too. It's like, we're here early August. You you get involved, and by September you're going to be going to Malaysia. Like it's all within a month here. So and you know very specifically, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, or seventeen years old, and you have to be in the right. Asia Pacific Oceania regions as well. Right, and and the age group is real important because um, you can tell they're looking for people who have a future in, in racing, you know, um, skip barber series has a similar prize where, you know, if you win that, uh, skip barber series, you know, you get a, you get a full-time ride in, in skippies, but, um, you know, there's no age limit on it. So, you know, not that there's a problem with that, but you know, if you're, if you're a bit older, 
it, you might have missed your window to, to really develop real race driving um, skills and abilities and opportunities where this is like, we want young guys here. We want to find people who have this talent and uh, we want to nurture it and develop it to become a, to become a, a real driver. Really cool. All right. I got Gen 4 bugs. Tim Moore posted a bug in the Gen 4 causing bad netcode type issues. He says, hey, if you're looking for a precursor of what Gen 4 fixed is going to look like this week, here you go. And he shows a video, uh, basically this crazy netcode from front to back that basically took him out uh, and, and they didn't even touch. It was pretty crazy. Um, they're at Talladega this week. I kind of saw that on the schedule Monday, like, hmm, maybe I'll get some Talladega fun here. And then I saw this video, and then I saw somebody else on Twitter, I think it was Chris Overland, saying that the, the package is Bjorked uh, for the Gen 4 at uh, restrictor plates. Uh, but I don't know. I, I decided to stay away and protect my I rating. Yeah. Well, when I first read this, I was like, first of all, um, these uh, Arca cars, because this is just like a souped-up Arca car, right? Um, the Arca cars do not bump draft. You can't bump those cars, um, the car in front of you. You'll spin them. Even if you're squared up perfect, you'll you'll spin them. Uh, in OBRL, we have a strict rule against bumping in Arca cars because it just spins the person out in front of you. But that being said, um, you know, I also thought, you know, this could be a connection issue. You know, uh, uh, you know, if somebody doesn't have great internet, you know, you get those net codes a lot more often. But um, I'm, I, I've been hearing this from multiple people who are having this issue. So don't think that that it's a, a connection issue with with the with Tim Moore's video that he put here. It definitely looks like it's some kind of uh, modeling issue. All right, Justin, how about the fastest eye racers ever? Yeah, Mike DJ E J posted a YouTube video posting trying to set the fastest lap average speed in iRacing. I haven't seen this video yet. Now he did one like this a couple of weeks ago, but it was about the 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 quickest lap time. Like he would find the smallest little the, track. He was trying to get the highest. Yeah, he did. He did the one where you know he just wanted to get how many how quick of a lap you can do. You know, based on the small. You know, they find small tracks and fast cars and tried to see see how he get around it faster. But um, I said I think some people were saying, yeah, you're doing the quickest lap, but not necessarily the fastest lap. And he was looking for laps with the highest highest average speed for one lap. Right. And so he went down this uh, exercise of trying to get the highest average mile per hour. I think he ended up in the uh, IndyCar IR18 at Talladega initially. And the way he did it is he got a bunch of peep friends in a room hosted and he basically spaced them out on the track where he could just piggyback or, or leapfrog from one pair, uh, one car to the next as he has this big run uh, with draft. And so every time he slingshots a guy, there's another guy there to pick to, to, to sneak a draft on. And, and he timed it just perfectly. So he got around the track and, and got it to a really high speed. 
Yeah, that was really cool how they did that. I mean, because you know, you know how it is when you're doing super speedway racing and you're like catching catching a few of the cars in front of you, you get some really high speeds. And then once you reach that car, then you kind of even out to their speed. Well, he was, he set it up to where, you know, you get that boost of speed and then, then that car peels off and you keep, keep that boost of speed for the car in front of him in front of him in front of him. And uh, that way he was maintained that, that, that uh, draft speed all the way around the track. So that was in the IR 18 at, um, at Talladega. And then, then he tried, tried it again um, with the COT car tomorrow, which is the unrestricted stock car around um, iRacing Super Speedway and tried basically the same thing. And he got some really fast, I think he was around 253 point something miles an hour uh, average lap time around uh, iRacing Super Speedway by doing the same thing. It was really, really a fast lap. And I think it was actually his buddy who did it, who was, who was trailing him. But, um, yeah, that that's but it's a really smart way to try to get super fast uh, average lap time. Pretty neat. I, I like this guy's ideas for you know let's try to break a record or let's try to do something that nobody's done. Pretty cool. All right, Brian. How about World of Outlaw round four? Yeah, Mike. Uh, so Monday night was uh, Port Royal for the World of Outlaws round four. Um, Early in the season, after the first three races, the series has been dominated by two drivers, their teammates, Evan C. and uh, and um, Blake. Oh my God, I forgot his name. Blake Majulis. Blake Sorry. Majulis. Majulis. Blake Majulis. So they've they've uh, dominated the first three races. Evans finished the second, first or first, second, and second, and uh, and Majulis won the last two races. Um, so um, going into qualifying, uh, we found out that Evan C did not have a good qualifying run at all. He started sixth place in the first heat, so he didn't even start in a transfer position for the main feature. But uh, he wound up making his way up to third place in the first heat, which meant he started the feature in position number nine. Blake Majulis uh, finished first in his heat number four, which put him on the outside of row two in the feature. So, um, you know, at this point, when uh, when I was watching this, I was like, "Oh boy, this is gonna, this is gonna end uh, Evan C's run of first or second finishes that dated back to the beginning of last year. Um, he's either he's coming first or second in every race since the beginning of last year's season. So, um, but uh, Port Royal is a big track and it's a 50 lap, so it is a lot of time uh, racing on this track as opposed to some of the short tracks that it seems like these 50 lap features go up in no time." Uh, and uh, and sure enough, uh, Evan C just made his way slowly up from ninth. He went to seventh, and then before you know it, he's on third place and fighting for a position with 13 laps to go when a caution comes out. Um, so uh, 13 laps to go, he was starting in uh, – fourth place i think at that point and uh there was a great battle a three-way battle between blake majulis evan c and uh, logan rumsey who was um normally runs sprint cars really well uh, they were battling it out for like five or six laps just each person taking a turn in the lead um it slowed them up a little bit to where the pack behind them started to catch up and started mixing up with them so it even got more interesting but evan c finally cleared the the other two guys and actually started the 
pull away from him. And sure enough, he won the race. So that's his second win of the year. Um, Majulis finished second. So week number four, where uh, um, those two have finished in the top two spots of the series. Uh, so really great racing. Um, Majulis, uh, or Evan C, extends his lead to uh, eight points, I believe, over Blake Majulis going into round three five at Knoxville next week. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's early. It's not even halfway through the season, but it looks like it's going to be a two, two, uh, two man race to the championship. Um, it should be really interesting to see how this thing, um, winds up. What a recovery. Wow. All right. I got the next one. Um, my gen seven poster board, I guess painting, I guess it's a painting, uh, made some Instagram reels this week. The, uh, the place I bought it from called QB home uh, made up a nice little Instagram reel of my uh, picture as she made it, uh, brought it off the presses and, and uh, showed it off kind of thing. Uh, I thought it was cool. It's a good reminder uh, to, to the listeners. Hey, this is a pretty cool thing for your sim racing space. If you guys are interested, we talked about this as a group on the chat this week. Uh, Chris liked it, but he also liked the idea of doing um, a die cast. And I think somebody even has a, a source where you can get, uh, you know, your iRacing car made as a die cast, like a one by 24, you know, die cast. But I really like the painting. It's big, it's colorful. It really makes the room. I will be getting me one of these one day. I think this is neat looking. Yeah, here's what she wrote on the post. When Mike stopped by the studio a couple of months ago, we knew exactly what he wanted. He knew exactly what he wanted to order and had a vision for a wall in his game room. This particular image is an incredibly vibrant and boasts the most fantastic details. We are happy we could create this piece for him and elevate his space even more. Thanks, Mike. Now, I want to point out something that she mentions is the detail of this image and the, the fantastic details of this image are all thanks to Sim Raps and Bobby Jonas. I mean, this poster would not have happened without Bobby and his expertise on creating the actual artwork uh, that's painted on the board. And it just came out so good. I think he did it as an 8K, 8,000, you know, instead of a 4K, he did an 8K resolution uh, render. And uh, yeah, it just came out great. Now, you guys were talking about the diecast the other day. What would what would make you get a diecast of your car? Would it be like a certain win or a certain circumstance? I was just thinking about that the other day. Maybe. I mean, some people do that. Like Tony Rochette, he'll buy uh, a bottle of wine from the track that he won at. Like he won Michigan, and so he bought this Michigan wine or something. So some people buy stuff like that uh, based on a win. Like if you want the Daytona 500, maybe you want your 500 car as a die cast. The thing, if I do a die cast, I don't want a one by 24. I want one of the bigger ones, you know, that's, you know, 15 inches long, like a big one, not a little tiny one, you know, what's the point? Yeah, I can see that. Um, are you aware of anybody who does custom die casts like that? Well, yeah, somebody in the chat, uh, suggested Chris, somebody I, I, I know kyle putz does them p-u-t-z if you find him on facebook he can do them for you that's something to think about if you if you pull off a really big uh big win like that i'd want it on a pedestal you know in a 
acrylic case, you know, maybe lit up, you know, you got to, you got to dress it up. Okay. I'm going to take this one. Dave Cam posted a video of him racing with real world racers and getting the worst end of the deal. And what's amusing about this is this is the uh, Ringmeister series this week in the FF 1600 car, which is a, a newer free car for everybody. And uh, yeah, the keyword free. So guess what? I'm involved in the Ringmeister this week and I ran this uh, race. And I swear to God, Dave must have put up a video of me and him uh, racing and me wrecking him. But yeah, I ended up wrecking out every time I tried it. And this video is a perfect example about why it is so hard to pass. Like if people will let you go and there's enough room for two and you try to go by and then there's a corner and he just barely bumps you and boom, you're in the wall. Now he actually put up a second video. I don't have on the script where he tried again and he said he got protested over this one. He wanted to put up the video of it. And the guy that he was racing basically blinked out. He disappeared. And then he came back right inside Dave's car and then it knocked him out of the, uh, out of the road into the, into the wall. And, uh, and Dave cam got a protest, but I I've really been humbled by the ringmeister, uh, series. You know, I think I'm ready for that. I think I know the track. Uh, but then you overcook just one corner or something and you're done. You're done. You're done. Yeah. I watched the video and I had a hard time seeing, um, who he's racing with, but it's really tight racing. I mean, there's just no room and, um, it's just so hard to pass. There's just, just hard to get around people. Uh, was he racing the formula Ford? It looked like. Yeah. It was the FF 1600. I think they call it. Yeah. Yeah. Really tight racing, not a lot of room to get by people. Well, and it gets so spread out. I mean, and once they get ahead of you, you're all the same speed, so you're never going to catch them. So, so everyone is in this hyper, oh, we got to pass while he's right next to me. I got to get by him now, you know, kind of thing. Uh, and, and then we all end up wrecking. That's how it usually plays out. But, yeah, I think I'm done giving up I-rating on that this week. All right, Justin, the not top 10 of July. Yeah, this is an interesting one. There's some good ones. Uh, my favorite one is the one with the little Volkswagen cars. And one guy ricochets and just hits the hill just right and just ramps, just goes to the moon. Oh, I love the 87s crashing at Talladega and nobody getting through. Nobody. Yeah. nobody. It clogged the whole track up. The iRacing Speedway one, I think it was iRacing Speedway, and that was just yeah. mayhem. Well, another one that they had where the track gets clogged up was uh, this uh, Watkins Glen coming up the uh, the S's, and uh, you know, cars start crashing, and there's fence on both sides. The track closes off. You're coming around a blind corner, so you don't always see what's coming up. And uh, man, you really get some nasty crashes on that track. Now, there was one Watkins Glen, this guy right in the middle, he's like, they're, they're coming to, to the green, and he's like, pulls into the pit lane, and he says something about, I, I need to take a poo. <laughs> yeah. he had an emergency he had to just he's like and, and the funny is you know if it was just some dude on his own that would be you wouldn't notice but this guy's like streaming himself and he's like and he's talking he's like i gotta I, I gotta go to the bathroom i gotta poop right right now so they're coming to green after a caution or at the start of the race he just he just drops right in the pits and just hops out of his sim that was pretty funny 
Must have had Taco Bell. Yeah. I, luckily, I haven't been in that situation yet. You know, I've where where I've uh, nature's called, and it would not the answer would not be go to a voicemail at all. It was had to be answered. Another one I thought was funny was um, the pro trucks at one of the I don't know if it's Wild Horse or Wild West, one of those tracks, and uh, there was a caution, and the um, the pace truck is trying to catch up to the to the uh, lead and the pace truck is just flying over the jumps probably faster than you would do it in the actual pro trucks and he, and uh, it was pretty neat to see that they see that uh, pickup truck just just blasting the t the jumps and everything else is catch up it was probably funny you see that all the time in the oval races where the pace car is trying to catch up and it and it pulls out some crazy speeds but uh it's the first time i've ever seen a truck doing it over the jumps all right, let's move on to our off-road championship, Brian. Yeah, so uh, last week uh, they were um, the off-road was at Wild West Motorsports Park. Uh, Jarrett Liebert won the first uh, of the two um, feature races, and the second one went to Connor Connor Barry. Now that the second race was a was a nail biter, really close finish. They're they're beating and banging, and they um, you know finally come to a drag down to the final straightaway. Uh, and uh, Connor Barry beat uh, Keaton Swain by just 0.023 seconds. I mean, it was 23 hundredths of a second. Uh, super close, really nice. And they were, and they weren't abusing each other in the terms. There's a little bit of contact, but nothing that you would that nothing that would be considered unusual in these type of races and these truck races. But excellent, excellent finish. Um, Connor Barry is actually in the lead now for the uh, championship over Keaton Swain in second at, um, and it's like, uh, what is it? Uh, eight point difference there. So, uh, or sorry, 12 points, 12 point lead for Connor Barry after five weeks of, uh, of racing. They caught five, but it's really 10 because they do double, double features each week. All right. Yeah. Good race. Uh, the next one I'll take, no pits for you. Gabriel Mauricio posted a glitch where he gets into the pits, but the crew won't perform any service. Now, I got this one for Mr. David Hall, who's not with us tonight, um, because this happened to him last night in the race. I heard him on the team speak, or actually we're in Discord now, and uh, the Discord uh, say, what the heck, man, I just pulled into pit and they won't let me pull out. And he couldn't get out of pit. Um, and I'm not sure how he eventually got out, but he did. Um, but yeah, he mentioned there's a problem and apparently he's not the only one. Yeah. How frustrating must that be? Because you're literally pulling right into your pits, making a perfect stop and then nothing happened you guys don't come over the wall um some of the comments were like uh you maybe you had a penalty that you had to serve but now there was no penalty time that that needed to be uh clocked off or nothing so he's just sitting there in the, in the and he can't even drive right he's just stuck um and the and the crew's just standing on the side of the wall it's like you know they're 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 on strike and they're not working today it's <laughs> something weird but uh yeah obviously there's some kind of glitch going on um so um I did see that um, in the forums that uh, I thought one of the staff members said that there, it's something that they're working on. Yeah. And there was also a poster that indicated this has been a problem at Richmond back in April, too, and um, still a problem. So apparently uh, they're aware of it.
podcast housekeeping, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Check out our Discord to get involved in the conversation. Or our show notes are on the website at iracerslounge.com. We're in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. Fantasy, Brian. Yeah, guys, uh, I forgot to put the turtles on the page. I'll have to update that. But um, going to Richmond this past week, looks like Mike Wojo took the took the win for the week over Mud Dog and AL14, AJL14 in third place, tied with Res Dog, uh, 215 points. Uh, Justin Pearson, top five, finished fifth place. Good job, Justin. Thank you. Looks like Tyler was top 12. He finished in the 12th place. Um, let's see. Jeez, I finished 35th. I thought I, did, I was going to do better than that. I had Kozlowski, and um, he was doing pretty good up until up until towards the end. I thought I thought for a while I was going to have a good finish, and then all of a sudden I was terrible. Um, to, be, to be perfectly um, honest, I forgot to set my uh, – set my uh set my lineup for the week so i was using the week from uh, i was using my lineup from last week and one of my drivers uh blinked out for um because i I had maxed out his usage so i noticed it like after the race started and and i was a little upset because i was like oh crap i gotta set my lineup and they hadn't started the race yet the race had not completed any laps but i was locked out i couldn't change it so um i just substituted my garage guy for the guy who got uh who got pulled for over usage but apparently i still sucked so now question um how does the playoffs work when this comes about well, i'm pretty know. sure the points reset um i know you reset all the amount of all your drivers so if you had if you used up all your drivers i think you get those back um but um I talked to Tony Gross about that. Every everybody or top sixteen? I think it's everybody. No, everybody, everybody. So if you, no matter how many, if you have drivers that you've used up all, all, all that you know, all their usage, then they come back when the playoffs starts. You'll be able to pull them again and pick them. See, that's why I'm doing so well. I sandbagged early, and I still got stud drivers, yeah. and I'm just throwing them to the wolves because last week I got eighth. Now I'm fifth, I think. But, yeah. Use them up. Use them up. So uh, looking at the overall standings, looks like Canadrian is still in the lead. He's got an 80-point lead over Team Duan and Trick Dickles in third with Resdog in fourth and North-South Racing in fifth. Um, Tony Groves is in ninth overall. Uh, I don't know what happened to uh, to our boy uh, Donnie Spiker. Man, he was he was about to crack the top ten. I don't see where he went now. Well, he dropped all the way to twenty second. Ooh, he must have had a couple bad weeks. All right, what do we like for this next week? Hmm. So we're at Michigan. Um, Harvick. Harvick, that's good. You, at this point, you got to start looking at guys who are getting desperate to make the playoffs. Like Chase Elliott, maybe. Maybe um, looking to try to throw Hail Mary to get in with a win. Uh, maybe Bubba Wallace, who's who's in on points right now. But it's, it's you know, you get you get one guy win out of the, out of the top who hasn't won yet at, at uh, 
at Daytona or something and Bubba Wallace is out now, you know, so, and he was fast last week and he's usually pretty good on some of these bigger tracks. So maybe, maybe Bubba will do it. This pit crew don't mess up or nothing like that. I got Byron, Denny and Truex. I think they're going to be solid. All good, good picks. Kyle Busch has kind of been not doing well ever since um, he was he was doing really strong at the beginning of the year. Now he's kind of fallen off. I know he qualified really well at Richmond, but he fell back pretty quick right away. I think he went managed to come back a little bit. Then they call Kyle Two Mile Kyle, so you got to have him too. If you got him, they got an extra pick for him. Kyle Larson. Yeah, Kyle Larson. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that one. Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash? Good credit? No credit? Doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com to view our complete inventory and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, hardware software is presented by Metro Ford from Chicago. And we're going to talk why hydraulic is the best. Sim coaches posted up a video describing why they think hydraulic sim, pe uh, sim pedals are the best uh, compared to load cell and those types. Uh, a neat uh, video by Lawrence that basically you know, points out all the obvious uh, why is it better? Um, and then he talks about the differences between different hydraulic builds from different manufacturers, why his products might be different than others, um, that kind of thing. So I love hydraulic pedals. I really think those are the end-all be-all. And I mean, I've had mine for 10 years or something, and they've never had a problem, knock on wood. But uh, yeah, it's a neat look at, uh, at Lawrence's offerings. Uh, you got to admit they're beautiful pedals. Yeah, I love the I love the one that's on the homepage of this the um, the inverted pedal. I don't know why I just really like inverted. Yeah, I do too. I think inverted is the way to go. But if you want to learn about why you should pick hydraulic over low cell, this is a great video just to watch to kind of get that background. Yeah, and um, I guess he, he, I didn't watch this because. Um, but does, I guess he doesn't compare his pedal to, to, to ones like that are um, the active type of pedals because that's a whole different, whole different beast, I guess. Hard to compare those any pedal to that. Yeah. By the way, our teammate Steve Thompson bought him some active pedals. He sent us a picture yeah. teasing it. Yeah, he, he did. You know, you know what else he bought that? Uh, um, I don't know if he posted it he um he ordered that pimax crystal um vr headset too Ooh. i'm really in interested in seeing how he likes that because that, that would be something i might be interested in all right uh brian how about the uh advanced sim racing shows off their big rig yeah so uh this is a really cool video um and it's actually hosted by um by mark who's like one of the owners at advanced sim racing and uh, apparently this is the rig that they take to special events. I think he was at um, 
um, Canadian Tire, I think he was, um, when he made this video. He was there with Daniel Morad, who's like a professional driver, but he's also a sim racing enthusiast, put, does a lot of videos uh, that are really cool. And he really just walks around the this um, this rig and shows shows you what's on it. Um, and it's it's super cool. It's a it's basically a thirty thousand dollar sim rig. I don't know if that com includes the computer or not, but it might not with some of the stuff he's got on there. Um, so uh, he starts with triple curve monitors. They're 40, 43 inch, I think they were LG um, 8K um, monitors. Really nice. That's he, uh, he he says that these are the 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 monitors that he thinks are best for triples in iRacing or any any racing. Um, you know, it's got the high end um, D box motion system on it. Uh, really cool looking. Uh, it's got that BDH shifter, the H pattern shifter that I like, um, and uh, just a really really nice build. Really clean, uh, but you know, for thirty but thirty k. You know, this is this is an awesome system. Really cool. Yeah, OMP Asher's wheel, SimiQ Pro base. The monitor mounts caught my eye. I I'm I think I'm gonna get Simlabs version of these. Because that's the only thing wrong with my rig. I can see little daylight on the seams. And that, those help you adjust it by the mill each yeah. way. Yeah, I have the Simlab ones. And uh yeah, it just allows you to dial it in. Um like one millimeter to the left or one to the right, you know, kind of thing. So it looks like he's got a, a, um, a dashboard readout on top of his semi-cube. Um, so otherwise I would have thought he would have had a, a steering wheel with a, with a dash built on it, but, um, but it's, it's, a, it's an awesome set. It's, it's a based on, it's 80, 20 uh, skeleton to it. So, um, it's, it's, the SR uh, Pro, it, it's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. All right, uh, Justin, how about the GTLM button box? Yeah, it looks like we got another button box for sale here. Uh, it's a neat little looking thing. Uh, yeah, you don't see too many button boxes with um, LCD screens on LED screen, um, LCD screens. Um, it's got, um, it's a six and a half, six point eight inch display, um, which is really cool. Um, I just don't remember seeing too many button boxes with those on it. No, it is unusual. I love button boxes now after building my own. I, th I think they're just so fun to tinker with. I add a new button every week, it seems like. Yeah, it's um you can get a in carbon fiber with a carbon fiber look. It's got you can configure it with up to twenty eight in game inputs. So a lot of different stuff on there. It's coming in at three twenty nine. Um which, you know, for a button box is high, but what button box with a screen on it seems a little bit more, um, seems a little bit better, you know, not not bad for something with the LCD screen. Um, sure, it probably runs off of uh, SimHub or something like that. Yeah, pretty cool. All right, I'll take this one. Active pedal power brick mount. After uh, seeing Steve Thompson with his new active pedals, I found this for him. It's a... 3D printed bracket basically for the power brick for the active pedal. So you can mount it to your 8020 rig, uh, you know, underneath or along the side or something just out of the way. Um, I ended up getting similar brackets for the Fanatec power supply for the when I had the Fanatec base and mounted it to the side of my rig, 
they should have a place to put it. Yeah, that's a that's a good idea. Um, yeah, I've got like three big power bricks underneath my rig, and I just haven't screwed to the floor because it's a wood floor that I have built. So um, I was able to keep it out of the way and secure like that. But you know, if you're on a concrete floor, you don't want to screw into a carpet or something like that. You know, this is a great idea to. To, to attach it to your rig and get it out of the way and um you know it helps with cable management and all those kinds of stuff like that well that's the thing i just want everything off the floor you know because i'm on wheels and i can wheel this thing out of the way and clean the floor and um, so it has to be mounted to the rig as far as mine goes now i remember seeing pictures of your setup brian you got stuff all over the floor right well, yeah, because I, you know, I'm in the basement, so it's a concrete floor, but I built up like a, an eight inch high uh, base, um, wood frame base with a with a padded floor to it. So, um, yeah, I can put my block, my bricks directly on that floor because, you know, it's nothing's moving. Um, so it, it works fine for me because I can find the right place for it, you know, hide it places where it's not going to be in my way when I'm getting in and out of the rig or anything like that. So you know everybody might not have that option if you're if your rig's just sitting on a normal floor right anyway i i like the uh the little brackets i think they're worth it for sure if you're trying to have a clean look okay justin how about the camus lc100 pedals yeah we got another set of pedals from camus uh it looks like they, I think it said it was $239, so it's a pretty good little price point to match up with that new steering wheel that they got out on the market. Yep. Three, I got the clutch uh, yeah. and the brake and the uh, throttle and a base plate. It looks like a pretty good value for the price, you know. But if you're looking for entry-level pedals to go with your entry-level wheel, there you go. Pretty straightforward. They got a nice look to them. They don't look, they don't look cheap. They look better in Logitech. They do. And it's got a nice big uh, foot plate too. And I like that it's it's flat. You know, um, like a lot a lot of the ones that are lower lower um, entry level type usually have a real thick base because they keep the electronics or whatever underneath the pedals. Um, but I like it's a nice nice flat metal base. Yeah, real clean look. That's a pre-order just starting. Check it out. All right, Brian, and we got a, a neat look at the new Asetek QR. Yeah, this is uh, the first of two videos we have coming up from Lawrence Dussoswa. Um, It's just a quick one uh, on Instagram that he posted, and it really is just showing off um, the Asetek quick release system and showing how versatile it is. It works with other manufacturers. It's solid. It's quick. Um, it's it's really, really, um, really neat to see how easy this thing works um, and how, how, how versatile it is, how you can just switch one thing to the other. It's not hard to do. You know, I got my fan attack and you got to, you got to loosen that big nut, pull the thing back, yank it out. Try not to hit yourself in the face when you yank it out and put it all back together. You know, where this thing's just popping in and out, done, no problem. Oh yeah. The little paddle that you pull forward and lift up the wheel. And, and then if the wheel is a wired wheel, the way the QR works is you can wire that that wired wheel into the QR, and the QR itself makes it wireless. 
it's really cool how it works. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's kind of a tease for a later video that we'll talk about. I'm going to move on to this one. Well, the one that I just talked about is from Lawrence Dosawa, and he uh, put out earlier today his review of all the mid-range direct drive wheels that are around the 12 to 14 newton meter range. Why? Because I think that's the spot where a lot of people think that's the, the sweet spot. Like anything more is probably overkill. Anything less is probably not enough. And so um, he compares the Asetek Prima, the Sim Magic Alpha, the Moza, the Logitech, and the Thrustmaster. And what he did is he went through and assigned scores on a score sheet of from one to ten, uh, based on different factors. How is the force feedback? How is the build quality? How is the ecosystem? How is this? How is that? And so he he went through this whole laundry list of items and he just basically scored uh for each unit what he thought the score would be because he's you know spent a lot of time on each one he tried to be you know subjective and fair about it went back and tweaked the numbers how he thought they should be and then he added up the numbers to see which one would win with the most points pretty straightforward so what he found was uh the ace Tech, the sim magic and the moza all came in at the exact same score of 71 out of 80. And um, he was a little astonished that they scored so evenly. But I think it. he goes on to say that's why these, uh, these products are so competitive with each other. They're similar price, they have similar features. It's really down to the nitty gritty when you're trying to compare them. Now the, the Logitech and the Thrustmaster, they, they were well down the scoring list uh, below the 71 uh, compared to the other three. And so he didn't recommend those unless you're looking for a, you know, a console specific thing. And then maybe you want the Thrustmaster. And the adapter plate. Right. <laughs> so it was a neat exercise uh, to watch him go through to see how he scored these and how equal the Ace Attack, the Sim Magic, and the Moza actually were when it came down to the numbers. That sounds like you really can't go wrong with either one of them then, uh, based on on Lawrence's video. You can't. Um, and and so I'm going to kind of jump ahead a little bit. We have a video uh, further down the list here from Boosted Media, and he review, put out a review today of the Ace Attack Prima. Uh, the first one that Lawrence uh, gave a score of 71. And for Will Ford from Boosted Media, the Asetek Prima is a buy wheel. This is a wheel that he would buy. You know, he, he basically said, look, if it was my money and I was sitting down to, to get the best value I can, that get the, the right Newton meter I want, this would be the product I'd probably pick. Now, that was the bundle that he reviewed, right? So it was with the wheel... Yeah, it, it's a wheel, uh, pedals, and uh, the base itself. You can get a separate bundle that doesn't include the pedals. I don't. I got the impression he's not a fan of the pedals. I don't think he would. He's saying buy the pedals. He's saying buy the wheelbase. And remember, this is an upgradable wheelbase. You can go from the the Prima to the Invicta, which is a more expensive one, by just changing out the uh, the PCB board and the power supply. 
So that's that's pretty um, unique as far as uh, direct drive wheelbases go. The only thing that's even close is like um, the Fanatec uh, CSL DD, but you know you just change the power supply and, and boost up the newton meters. Um, this is this is changing a lot more than that to upgrade it. That's pretty cool. He also compared the Ace Attack Prima to the Invicta and the second one they have. They have three of them. The the more expensive uh i think it's 27 newton meter one uh is basically double the price of the cheaper la prima bundle and he basically said that doesn't mean it's double as good um the va the value in the lower priced one is is there i mean it they're almost the same except for the few different things and so he went through what's different and what's not uh like on the back of the wheelbase they have little ports like they have USB ports where you can plug in, you know, your accessories and different things. But when you get the cheaper base, you don't get those USB ports. They leave those out. The other thing was the emergency four-speed back stop button is not included in the Ace Attack Prima, but it is on the more expensive units. But tying this in with, you know, Lawrence's video where he like, you know, gave the score of 71 to Ace Attack and Moza and some magic, you know, Lawrence was like, you know, you got to look at those three and to see which one's, which one's going to work for you. You know, what kind of wheels are you wanting to put on them and that kind of thing? Cause that can make a difference. Like if I was buying Ace Attack, I wouldn't buy the wheel. I would buy the base only. I don't know if I like their wheel with, and with the QR that they have, you can put any wheel you want on it. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, that's a real, you know, it's it's really nice when you have that ability to go outside of the ecosystems that you're you're tied to with the wheelbase. I think that's such a that's such a um, a plus. Well, that's why I went with it to SimiCube. It was a big part of it was I wanted to you know get an Italian wheel cube from Cube Controls and be able to use it, and I want to be able to get a Max Pappas you know wheel and use it without having to pay Fanatec for their bullshit adapters and stuff, you know. Uh, that's all ridiculous. All right, Brian, uh, last one is a wheel, uh, new wheel on pre-order. Yeah, it just came out. Um, they have put a little teaser video out on Instagram. This is called uh, from a company called VPG Sim. Uh, it was a little teaser video they came out with. Um, this is a, um, a formula wheel. It's not a butterfly. It's got the flat bottom. Um, it's, uh, called the V. PGT Professional Gaming Steering Wheel. Uh, it's, you can get it in a standard carbon fiber or the forged carbon fiber. They're um, basically 1,500 uh, pounds, I think that would be, or 1,600 pounds for the forged carbon. Uh, so give, so uh, get an idea where uh, where you're looking at price-wise. Uh, it works with um, SimHub, so it's got the ability to uh, change LED colors on the wheel, which is pretty neat. There's no um, no no LCD screen, so uh, it's it's just uh, the push buttons and dials. Um, but it's got some cool features, and it. it says that uh, it works with with uh, SimHub for real time feedback on RPM, gear shifts, and telemetry data. So um, I don't know if that means it's got some kind of uh, vibration effect or something. I mean, uh, I think RPM it's a color schemes, like, just a color, like. Uh, for example, when I'm in a road race and I have a leader come up behind me, my my flat my, my steering wheel will start flashing blue. 
the blue. Oh, uh, I gotcha. That's I gotcha. actually really cool. Yeah, stuff like that. Okay. And I guess the RPM would just be like if you're getting if you're in red or something like that. Light. Maybe you, the lights turn right. Red. You can pick one that's based on RPMs and. I gotcha. I think all the wheels pretty much support this that kind of thing now, like mine does, and I know, know the Gomez does, but it's all through SimHub. I gotcha. That makes more sense. It's a nice wheel. I don't know if it's worth the price they're asking for though, without a without a monitor on it. Yikes, that's pretty high. Yeah, that does. It does look like pounds to you, right? Yeah, pounds. Yeah, they are out of UK. Um, the website. Yeah, pretty cool. So if you go to their actual website, you can get a really in-depth look at it: the front, the back. I mean, it does look like a high-quality wheel. Um, you know, what what does this compare to? Uh, the Grid MPX, um, probably the Cube Control F Pro, like I have. Probably the Gomez so my, without the the screen, the VRS wheel. So I just the, did the uh, conversion from pounds to dollars. It comes out to nineteen hundred U.S. dollars. Yeah, no way. That is that is high. That's really high. That's a lot. I would get that grid MPX that, all day long over that one. What was the other yeah, one? The I mean, Precision Sim Engineering one. Oh yeah. I mean, for that kind of money, you can get like a high-end Gomez with you know all the all the bells and whistles on it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what justifies that cost. All right, let's jump to results. The NASCAR iRacing Series. Let's finish up Richmond Friday Open P9. Uh, basically, ran top five most of the race. Uh, and we had a reset with 40 to go. I restarted fifth, ran the tires off pretty much, and faded back to ninth. Justin, P3. Yeah, uh, I started 23rd. Um, really not much to say. I, I executed very well, had two cautions, led for a bit. If it went past, we had a 50-lap run, and if it goes past that, I'm the fastest one on the track. I think I'm always slow on the short run. I think I drive like a sissy in the beginning and I just need to drive it. So great run, P3. Chris Waldron, Chris Waldron ran with us. He finished several laps down, sped on pit road, and then got in a wreck fighting for the lucky dog. Tony Rochette, P20, was wrecked out of 12th with no caution and lost three laps. This race sucked. Sunday open, Richmond, Tom Dryling, P10. Don't know how much more I had, but I'll take a top 10 and the Sunday top split. He did take the points lead with that. Pony, uh, he got he got Welp, had a good top five car till I got sideswiped by a guy that couldn't hold it out of four and into the wall for a green flag meatball, P19. David Hall, P11, top split. Only race this week other than the 1A Open. Same dirty driving, but I got lucky with caution timings and came back from last to 11. Moving on to Wednesday, open Michigan. I ran P13, ran around 10th to 15th. Most of the uh, race, I kept hitting the wall coming off two. We had green flag stops near the end and I somehow cycled backwards quite a bit. Not sure what went wrong. David, uh, he had a, I don't know where he finished, but he had a one stop problem versus a two stop problem. Like he was doing one stop and everyone else was doing two. and. He was saying it wasn't working out, so I don't know where he finished. Kyle Pendigraf got a P6. 
Justin, you got a P6. Yeah, I started 33rd. I've been having trouble with Richmond. When I would qualify, I'd be mid-pack and get just smoke the first couple laps, get a bunch of X's. So I decided to take Tom's view and start in the back. You're at least guaranteed to dodge a wreck or two, so I think that helped a little bit. I dodged actually a lot of wrecks, but I ran conservative. Um, any three white situation, I backed out. And you guys talked me into doing two tires for the very first time. And I think I would have got even a better finish, but I was scared that I was going to wreck the car because I'd never taken two tires before in iRacing. And I could have pushed a lot harder. Good run, though. Tony Rochette had a top five or 10 car, but got pinched against the wall and damaged. But 22nd on the final restart with four to go and finished 15th. Tom Dryling, P23. I was in position to win on a long green flag run, but then got a late caution and got ran into the wall after the restart. I was gonna finish first or second. When that yellow came out with five to go, I got crashed and finished 26th. A lot of points left on the table. So I ended up taking the points lead back uh, due to that finish. Uh, hey, you guys are going back and forth. That's crazy. Oh yeah, we're really tight. A Tyler Williamson ran P10. Finally, a good result. Car number 35 and started dead last. Even better was a 0x. Great set from the team and I had my son Parker next to me, a crew chief for the entire race. He made the right calls and got us a finish strong. So happy to get this top 10. David Hall, P13, was on the way to a poor finish as stretching fuel for entire stint was not effective. Late caution and a late wreck gave me lots of spots back. Thursday open. I got a P23. I was wrecked out on lap two. I went way down to the bottom on the back stretch, and some guy just darted all the way across, and I T-boned him. Uh, seven minutes damage. I just rolled around the whole race trying to you know, hope for attrition. Never really got it. Justin, P6. Yeah, another P6. Maybe one day I'll crack the top five. But uh, stay in the top ten the whole race. I actually qualified this race because track positions means a lot here. And um, I ended up taking a good green. We did it like a 20-lap run. I ended up gaining a little bit, made it to six. But I got real tight. My long run is horrible. I don't understand because usually I'm the opposite. Usually I'm a long run guy. But I noticed the track temps were at 90 degrees. So I'm assuming cooler means tighter. So. And then Joe Owen ran with us. I think he got a P9. Other races, uh, I talked about the Ringmeister. Uh, we also ran Tuesday night um, A Open, you uh, and David and I. I got a P8 in that. OBRL Cup, Brian. Yeah, I hit the, the uh, incident limit at Richmond. Um, I didn't have a good qualifying run. Um, I started. I was moving up. I made a few spots up, and then um, somebody somebody radioed that I was blinking, which was kind of weird because usually if it's an internet connection, you know, like the whole field dis disappears in front of you. But I didn't get anything like that. But either way, um, you know, it's in our league. It's it's common courtesy if you're have if you're doing that to to get out of people's way. So I gave up a few positions to get to get clear of the cars that were directly behind me and. Um, uh, so uh, 
but we had a we had a caution. I came I came back out. We all got new tires, um, and there was a little bit of an incident in front of me. And I was going I was going to go around the car on the high side that was slow that was reacting to the incident, and I really was trying to push hard off the corner turn four to get ahead of the car and i think i the, the tires weren't heated up yet i overthrottled it spun got a few incident points not too much damage i was able to get back out without without a problem and then uh, got caught up in another crash that happened in front of me that i couldn't check up and avoid some contact not not a lot of contact but it was enough for 4x and at that point i was uh dq'd um donnie was in there with us uh he didn't put a result in i know he had he got he got into some incidents as well so i'm not sure where he finished but um i think i think he had some problems with some crashing as well all right let's jump into final thoughts brian mccubbin uh let's see not a whole lot going on this week um uh, i'm looking forward to michigan um michigan's a fun track to race uh it's uh so um Looking forward to hitting Michigan Sunday night. Um, I'm trying to get a race in this weekend, another uh, NIS this week, though. Um, just because I think Michigan, you can uh, get some clean races in if, if you're in the right lobby. Right. Very good. Justin Pearson, final thoughts. I'm just trying to keep the streak going in Michigan. I've been lucky here the last couple lobbies haven't been too bad. And a lot of green flag runs, and that's kind of where I shine. So. Yeah, you're really stepping up, uh, getting better finishes than I am almost every time. Uh, I expect that you're going to be in a higher split than me pretty soon. Um, but I'm trying to keep up. We'll see how it goes. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, just that, just trying to win this championship. It is tight between Tom and I, but Tom has quite a bit more I rating, so it's easier for him to score better points. Uh, so I need to make up that deficit to really to go to battle with him. So I'm at 2,800 or so, 2,700. I need to get it up to like 32. So uh, that's the goal. Um, hopefully the next couple of weeks, I'll be able to kind of keep racking up these top pins and, and uh, increase that number. And with that, hey, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.